Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. Thank you. You should be there in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and this morning, my, my heart's desire is to take you and how I and you, how we view God every day we wake up. God is not waiting to determine how He feels about you at the end of your day. God already knows how He feels about you at the beginning of your day. He tells us that His mercies are new every day. You don't wake up dead. You wake up alive. You wake up with the sun high, and then it goes to the evening. I truly believe that Christians are not happy. For the most part, they have to work themselves up to happiness. They have to wake up every day, and they feel like it's a fight to get happy. I've, I've got I've to overcome. And, and, and a lot of times, it's because of how we view how God looks at us. You know, right now, however you think God looks at you is only because that's how you look at you. God looks at you and I totally different than the way we look at each other. We know our shortcomings. We know everything that we fail at, and so does God. And so this morning, I, I wanna, we're going to walk through some scriptures here. In John chapter 3 and verse 12, he said this, If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from earth, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, John 3, 14, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so, what is the next word, please? Loved. For God so loved the world. What kind of world was this? What, what kind of world was it that God loved? It was a world, in verse 19, that tells us that men, men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were what? So when it says here, for God so loved the world, what kind of world did he love? Did he love a world that was going up or did he love a world that was going down? Did he love a world that was getting better or a world that was getting worse? Worse. Now, please know this. So when God looked at this dark world, when God looked at this sinful world, God's first movement, God's first heart beat was not one of judgment. It was one of love. In fact, if you will go to the end of Malachi, and uh, ushers, I'm going to let you have a seat because I'm going to pray at some point. <clears throat> Look at Malachi chapter 4, and look at verse number 4. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, the very last three verses of the Old Testament. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I command, commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgment. Behold, I will send you Elijah, that the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn 
the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. You are living in a great day and age. Please know this, believer. You're living in the best time period of God's creation of this world you could ever live in. You are living in the time when God does not want to bring judgment into your life. God wants to bring his love into your life. But do, do we not, let me back up and t- just put it this way. I would say that the average believer, if they would admit it, wake up every day feeling God's mad at me. They're waiting for God to judge them. They, they interpret everything along the lines of, no, 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 God's getting ready to get me. And, and this, this is how we should not live. We should not live with impending judgment and impending doom. The Christians that you, the, the Christians that you respect the most and you love being around are Christians who wake up every day going, it's going to be a good day. How many of you are not mourning people, and that's all there is to it? Uh-huh. How many of you are mourning people? Yes, yes. How many you, you believe it's your called in life to irritate people in the morning? Yes, yes. It's going to be a great day. Miss Kelly is, is uh, I think that uh, the flu that's been going around, thing, I think has finally hit Miss Kelly this morning. And so the alarm goes off, I'm up, it's going to be a great day. Well, she's already not feeling well. She's probably going to kill me. She's watching. She better be watching. Um, and, uh, but none of, none of the people, no, no, when it, when it came to uh, uh, Mom and Deanna and Jordan and RG, they're grouches in the morning. Me? I'm a happy man in the morning. And, it does, and pure pleasure is when you get a grunt out of somebody and you're like, mm, 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 this is a good day. Well, understand that some people wake up with the day going, God's mad at me. And if they don't get lightning by noon, that's when they crawl out of this spiritual shell and go, okay, okay, he really does like me. This is not God's heart. I, I wish I could, I, I could, I wish I had the vocabulary and the statesmanship ability to tell you this is not God's thoughts toward you. You see, in the darkest of the world, go back to John chapter 3, what kind of world did he love? He loved a world that was dark. Y'all listen to this. He loved a world to where men love their darkness, darkness rather than light because their deeds are what? He's talking about a world for God so loved the world. What kind of world? A world that, if you would please look at verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what, please? condemned. What kind of world did he love? He loved a world that was in total darkness. He loved a world that men loved darkness rather than light. He loved a world that was not trying to see if they could get out of hell, but they were already condemned to hell. This is what kind of world he loved. Can I have a question for you? If he loves that much with that kind of world, how many are saved right now? Then what kind of love does he have for you? 
We live with a lost mentality, a condemned mentality. We wake up every day, and if I can just accomplish one thing, become a morning person spiritually. Wake up every day knowing this. No matter what your past failures were yesterday, they were already forgiven at the cross when he died on the cross of Calvary, and he's already looked at what you did and what you became and said this, I love them. You're living in the greatest day and age you could ever live in. And this one thought, albeit it may not be as dynamic, is revolutionary in your life and in mine because you have to think about God and how did God do this? He said, I so love the world. What kind of world? A world that was condemned. What kind of world? A world where men love darkness rather than light. What kind of, of world? A world where men's were, were evil. This is the kind of world. And when a believer can break into what kind of God are they related to? What kind of God watches over you? What kind of God sends his angels as messengers? Do you have a guardian angel? Yes. The Bible's very clear in the book of Hebrews that you have been assigned angels to minister to you. Now, some of you are on your 50th guardian angel. When you get to heaven, your mansion, you're going to walk in and God's going to say, hey, here's where you're going to live the rest of your life. On your mantle will be all these angels that you have gone through in your lifetime. You know those times you should have died that you didn't die? You know those times that you should have been in trouble that you weren't in trouble? Your angel took the hit. And he didn't earn his wings either. And uh, it's for all you worldly people. What kind of God? It's a God. Boy, if I can get you to wake up tomorrow morning and don't wait till noon, don't wait till 1 o'clock to where you feel like I hadn't been judged, the bank hasn't called, the mother-in-law hasn't called. I don't know why I looked your way down. The the mother-in-law hadn't called. This hadn't happened. The school hadn't called. The kids made it just fine. They're not fighting. I must be on good standing with God. No, no, no. Wake up every morning going this. My God loves me, and he proved it when he sent his son to die on an old rugged cross. And he proved it when he loved this world that was full of darkness and men's deeds were evil and their minds were evil and they were evil. But I'm his child. If he loves a dark world to send his own son, he loves you. Please. You know, when you keep walking through the text, the text becomes somewhat incredible. Can I give you another verse to rest on? Go to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 37. Stop working your way up to how you think God feels about you and start out. Be totally shocked when you do get judged. Be totally shocked when God does make it apparent. I'm headed to an Old Testament verse here to where people have used it as a club to beat up a whole lot of people. Go to Matthew 23 verse 37. You know, it's really crazy about Matthew 23. He starts out, don't, 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 don't you love this? Look at verse 16. Man, he's taking on the scribes and the Pharisees. Look at it. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. He, he calls verse 17, ye fools. Look what he's going after him. He, he, look at verse 23. Verse 24, ye blind guides. Strain at a gnat and swallow at a camel. 
Look at verse 29. Woe unto ye scribes and heresies, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous. And ye say, if we had been in the days of our father, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. He, he said, y'all think too highly of yourself. So he's taken them to task, but even in taking them to task, this lost religious crowd, look at his heart in verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent in thee. Look at this. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye what? Even in the middle. Now, now, now think, I want you to think about this, and I want you to think about your life. Why are you waiting on God to judge you for who you are? Why do we wake up every day going, God's mad at me, and I really got to get back in his good graces? Don't play those kind of mind games with God because God doesn't play those kind of mind games with you. God doesn't wake up every day going, I wonder if I can play with them a little bit for the first three hours. I, I, I wonder if I can play with their emotions. I, I wonder if I can just tamper with their psyche. God does not do that to his children because he does not do that to a lost world. He did not come into the lost world with a hidden agenda of how he got you, got you. My, uh, my wife, before she was my wife, she was my fiance. Before she was my fiance, she was my girlfriend. And before she was my girlfriend, she was one of my best friends. We worked our way up to marriage, and uh, so, but I can remember when, when we walked into, uh, got engaged, and, and we've known each other since the second and third grade, and we walked into that office in there, my father was there, and I had just asked Kelly to marry me under the golden arches. You people that get the romantic down to ask your woman to marry you, that's not true love. You have to cover it up with roses, and you have to cover it up with all kinds of fluff. Real men ask their woman regardless of where they're at. And every time you guys do this, I asked her this way. My wife's like, well, could, why couldn't you be that romantic? And, uh, but but, but going, coming into the office, first time, this is going to be his, his, his daughter-in-law. And my father, my father went, Kelly. Kelly went, Dad. And they started heading toward each other. And my father went, just kidding. And the uh, left, left my wife hanging like this. And ever since then, it's been that relationship between my, my wife and my father to we're like, Dad, you have incurred the wrath of a queen. You are totally on your own right there. Everything you get, you deserve right now. God doesn't do that to you. Listen, God's not waking up every day going, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. Can I have, oh, oh, just kidding. You weren't good enough. This is not God. But this is how the average believer wakes up thinking to themselves, I know how I feel about me. God knows more than I know. He must really feel doubly that bad about me. Not God. Not God. If God had a way to love a world that was dark, he can love you. You're his child. If God had a way to love a world when men's, were e men's deeds were evil and they loved darkness more, he can love you and I. You and I live on a different plane than a lost world. We're believers. We are children of the Most High. We crossed over from being created by God to being a child of God. And if he loved a dark world, 
He must love you and I. But it's hard to overcome the psyche of the brain to think we're still on trial. If he could look at the scribes and the Pharisees and say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, man, how oft would I have gathered and ye would not. This is God's heart. Would you go to Luke chapter 11? The reason it's hard for you and I to pray sometimes is because, and I'm going to give you my title here in just a moment. This will be the last New Testament verse we'll look at. The reason it's hard for you and I to pray is because we come to him the wrong way. Well, that was a poem, a little bit of a rhyme right there, and I better write it down before I... The reason... Okay, pray way. Okay. Put that right back there for the next time I preach it. All right, here we go. Look at verse... And, and he came, And it came to pass... As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to what? Now, when he goes to teach, listen to how he teaches. And he said unto them, when ye pray, say, God, I'm really sorry for being a total jerk and a total heathen, and I know you don't like me because I don't like myself, and, and, I, and, I, and it'll take me a little... No, 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 no. He said, when you pray, say, our what? Father. You know, right up there behind me on both sides of this hallway are the children of Emmanuel Baptist. If right now I told Brother Ethan, cut him loose into this auditorium, how many are convinced that they don't care about anything but finding their mom and dad. How many think that they would come in here quiet and sleeking and just... How many are convinced they would bound down them steps, they would make all the noise in the world, and they, until they got next to their parents, and they just... <sighs> How many of your children have ever interrupted you because they wanted something? Why? Because they don't view you as hating them they view you as their father. I'm FaceTiming last night with the staff here in the auditorium because we were looking at something, and, uh, and in FaceTiming them, they were showing me something, and one of the staff kids kept, kept running around the auditorium and running into the screenshot and waving and then running around and waving and then running around and then waving. How dare he do that in the middle of a serious conversation? Don't they know we have business to conduct? You know why he was that way? Because he does not view adults like they're mad. I want you to think about this. I, I love Kaylee. Kaylee is like the world's most optimistic kid. Izzy is like the world's most optimistic. You love me, and I know you love me because I told you you're going to love me. No, no, this is true. Those two girls are the epitome of just like, I'm in love with myself, and you're in love with me, because if I love myself, you must love me, and I've just got something I've got to tell you, and it's like, yeah, I just like, you, you calm down. You are too hyper for me. But they don't, they don't do this. They, they think you're going to love, they just come right up and talk. Let me tell you something. This is how, this is why he said, your father 
How do you pray? You approach him the way, same way I approach him, and that is this. He's your father. He is your father. And my father loved the entire world that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Well, if you and I could wake up tomorrow morning realizing that we're to pray our Father, not our Redeemer, not our Savior, not our sin sacrifice, not the propitiation for our sins, but your relationship and my relationship is this, our Father. Would you, are you there in Luke chapter 11? Keep working your way down, if you will. He said this, and he uses this illustration in verse number five, which of you shall have a friend? And shall go unto him at midnight and say to him, friend... I'm not even to the Old Testament verse yet. Friend, lend me three loaves. And a friend of mine is in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. He uses the connotation not in the relation. Look at, go back to the verse 2 through verse number 4. When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As a, give us this day our daily bread. And what? He does not illustrate the relationship in prayer on the level of forgiveness. He stopped. If this is our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, give us this day our what? Daily bread. When he gives the illustration about prayer, he never gives an illustration based on forgiveness of debt. The illustration he gives is concerning bread. Look at it. Which of you shall have a friend? And then it talks about this bread. And then look at verse 11. If a son shall ask bread, any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Look at it. He's trying to give us this. If ye then being what, please? know how to give good gifts unto your children. Let's just stop right there and tell you this, that if, you're, if you have a daughter, she knows how to get better gifts out of her father than the sons do. Now, this is true. Girls, look at me. Use it for everything you can get out of it. Perfect the art of being sweet. Perfect the art of daddy. I love your muscles. Daddy, what a great. Perfect the art now because you're going to need it when you get married to con that husband out of money. But, but would you notice right here that he said this, you and I are trapped by an evil, depraved spirit, a life. It's our nature. What do you need money for now? Uh-uh, uh-uh. He said this. If even in your evil state, you know how to give good gifts? Look what he said there. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? You know what he's saying? How much more? That's interesting. The Holy Spirit's all about relationship with Christ. If you know how to give good gifts, guess what God's waiting to give to you? Him. You see, we go to God and we go, God, God, if you think I'm worthy, could you kind of help me out of this situation? God, I know I haven't been. Let me tell you something. Stop working your way to being a son. Start out being 
a son because if he loved the world enough to die for a lost world, what does he think about you? And if he loved the world enough to, even in their evil deeds, he loved them enough, what is this, what, what, what is going on with your relationship? So now let's travel back to the book of 1 Chronicles. I know it's such an odd book to go back to. Go to 2 Chronicles, if you will. In the book of 2 Chronicles, you have chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Chapter 5, chapter 6, and I think it even starts back in chapter 4. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And the, and the title for this morning is this, God will let you know when to repent. God will let you know. You, you won't even have to think about it. Don't wake up every day repenting. Wake up every day being a son who owns it all. Wake up every day going, man, my God loves me. My God loves me. Do you know what I love about your children? I, I, I watch you interact with your children. Everybody has a different way of parenting their children. Some put shock collars on their ankles to parent. <laughs> you have a different way that you parent. Don't look at me that way. I better, we're online, aren't we? We don't have shock collars here. And uh, bad Bob. Um, some of you, it's a look. Some of you, it's a whistle. Some of you, it's a, <laughs> saw one parent the other day that they just jangled the keys jingled the keys, and their kids go, oh, time to go. And I'm like, man, I'm going to start doing that. You know, <laughs> never mind. Uh, so 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 6, you're working up to where the temple is finished. <clears throat> the temple then becomes furnished. Are you with me? The temple's finished. The temple now becomes furnished. Solomon then dedicates the temple in prayer. And if, and, if you're, and if you're right there, he starts dedicating this temple in prayer. And when he dedicates this temple in prayer, it is amazing that all of a sudden, the glory of God starts absolutely loving this. The Solomon's ended his prayer. The fire of the Lord comes down. You can kind of follow it in succession there in Second Chronicles chapter 7. I didn't realize how much the time, the first part of the sermon took up. Solomon ended his prayer. The fire of the Lord comes down from heaven. Then verse number two through verse number four, the people see this and the priests start glorifying. They start offering sacrifices. Solomon in verse number five and verse number six of Second Chronicles 7, he offers 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. The priests and the Levites attend to the sacrifice. This goes on for seven days, verse seven through 11. Seven days the altar, they, the, just the glory is there. Let, let me tell you something. It was a revival that was breaking out. They had taken the temple. They had finished the temple. They had furnished the temple. And Solomon said, I'd like to dedicate this temple to the Lord. And the Lord said, I love this thing. There was this relationship between God and his people going on. And, and then the, the Lord appears unto him at night in verse number 12, and he assures him that, look, if you will always put me first, if you'll always have this kind of what we've experienced over the last seven days, if you will always have this kind of relationship with me, then I absolutely will bless you perpetually. In fact, verse 11 says this, the Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord in his own house, he prospered 
he prosperly effected. In verse number 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night. So now he comes and tells him, this is a great relationship. And here's what I want to get to. Then how do I know when I've done wrong? Do not presume that your relationship is bad with the Lord every day. Presume I'm his child. He loves me. He adores me. I am the apple of his eye. God was telling them in 2 Chronicles, we've had a great time. I am so pleased with your life. I am so pleased with your life that when Solomon got done and said, God, I, I hope you're pleased that the, the fire came down and, and, and the smoke and the glory filled the house. And then all of a sudden, it was like, man, break out the fatted calf. Let's hold a barbecue. And then God comes to him and says this. We could always have this kind of relationship, but you know how you need if we ever stop having this relationship. And this is why we come to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And this verse has been used to demonstrate how bad uh, America is and how wicked our country is. And just how terrible, and how many times have I been to a patriotic rally or I've been to a revival, and, and, and out of a good heart, they were using this to bring people back to God. But contextually, it is not put there for the condition that exists. It is put there for you and I to understand that if we ever lose this love relationship with the Lord, how do we get it back? And that's why right here in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, he said this, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. The problem with the average believer, and I'm coming to a close, is that we approach the Lord thinking we are wicked and that we are doing wrong when that is not the case. But God is saying this, I'll let you know when you need to repent. I'll let you know. And waking up every day, being excited about the Lord, just being excited about the Lord. The Lord's my God. I love him and just wake up every day going, man, this is going to be a great day. God loves me. I love God. We're going to get it done today. Here's how you know. Look at the verse right before it. So 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is this. Here's how you get it right. Here's how you know in verse number 13 if you need to get it right. Here it is. Are you ready? If I shut up heaven, that there be no what, please? Or if I command the locust to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. You know what he said? It's conditional. If you wake up one day and you're used to rain and you're used to this going great, this is going wonderful, I love the Lord, he loves me. Well, that's unusual. It ought to be unusual. For you and God not to have a love relationship. Not the norm. Y'all, if we could break through this, 
we could wake up every day just loving God. We could wake up every day loving God. We could wake up every day going, it's going to be a great day. If I could say in the words of our newest member, Robert, one word, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Let me tell you, if we could wake up every day going, going to be a good day. Going to be a good day. God loves me. I love God. And the moment it stops raining from heaven, and the moment there's a locust in my front yard, and the moment there's a pestilence going on, then I know he ain't happy. Have you ever seen the look from your father? Right? Have you ever seen the look from your father? You thought everything was okay. I have many dad stories, and this is one of my dad stories that are very precious to me. I'm, I'm always the guy with, with that think everything's good, everything's great, and if it's not great, you're going to have to tell me it's not great because I don't pick up on things like this. No, this is serious. I don't pick up on the fact that you're mad at me until it's like, how come you're ignoring my call, and how come you won't? I, what, what? Oh, they may not. I assume everybody in this auditorium loves me until you tell me you don't love me. And that gets me in more trouble than any other thing. Hey, brother, give a hug, and he's standing like a board. It's like, are you okay? No, stop hugging. Okay, so, so I'm sitting in the gymnasium. Ron Garris is preaching. This is years ago. <clears throat> Ron Garris is preaching, and uh, Mrs. Cawthron, Sue Cawthron, uh, comes down, and she says, hey, hey, Brother Bob, your dad just landed, and, and you need to go get him. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good. It takes him this much to land. It takes him this. I didn't know dad had come in about an hour earlier. And so I'm enjoying the service, and I get up, and I'm enjoying the service, and I go to my red stanza, and I get in that stanza, and I start heading to Tyler, and I'm going along, and I'm listening to preaching and singing, rejoicing about what Ron Garris was going on. And I'm, and I'm cutting down 64, 69, whatever it is, going to Tyler Pounds at the old airport. And I'm going along, and I'm just... On this side of the street is my father with his briefcase, his satchel over his shoulder, and he's walking through grass about up to his knees, and he is huffing it. It's hot. It's, it's, it's September with the opening of college. It's still wet, and he's huffing it. Stupid me. I'm like, wow, dad's getting some exercise. <laughs> So it took me a little minute to go, hey, El Papa, he, uh, man, he, he loves me so much, he's going to meet me halfway, and just the love of Jesus was all, and I was like, so I, so I turned that stanza around, and, well, you know, it's, it's you joke all the time, and you joke so much that I, I reach over, and I roll down the window and say, hey, hey, would you like a ride? At that point, I thought, he loves me, I love him, there's no problem whatsoever. He opens up that back door. My first clue was how he opened the door. My second clue was how he put the stuff in the back seat. The third clue was how he shut the door. And the fourth clue was the conversation that ensued after he got in the front seat. And, 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 I'm, and I'm like... <laughs> he is sweating profusely. And, and I'm like, Dad, Dad, they didn't tell me you came in. They didn't tell me you came in, or, or I would have been here. And, and Dad, I, 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 let me tell you something. 
I didn't wake up that day going, man, I'm going to have to get things right with my father. I didn't wake up that day going, he's going to be walking down the side of the road and he's not going to be too well. I woke up that day going, my father loves me and I'm okay until he tells me you're not okay. When I started working here in 1987, I said, Dad, how do I know I've gone too far? He said, I'll tell you. Until then, enjoy life. <laughs> That's all you had to say to me. Because from that point, it's been like, if I've done wrong, he'll tell me. Kevin Connor and I had these Nextel phones. Y'all want stories? Hey, Kevin Connor and I had these Nextel phones. How many know what I'm talking about? It's a walkie-talkie cell phone. You know? Kevin comes to me, he said, hey, I'm hungry for Chinese. You hungry for Chinese? And I was like, yeah, let's go get some Chinese food. And uh, we had a staff meeting at 2 o'clock, and we had some things going on. So it was about 1 o'clock. And I said, well, man, you know we got a staff meeting at 2. He said, yeah, but you know you and I don't do anything, so it's not really important that we be there. And they're talking about something you and I have nothing to do with. It'd be okay if we'd be like, yeah, you know, our boss loves us, and this is going to be good. So, so, so we're on a Nextel system, and... Um, and <laughs> We are enjoying our Chinese food. We, we have gone back to this buffet, the one right there by Arby's on McCann. We've gone back to the buffet, and we're sitting there. We're looking at fortune cookies, and we're laughing. And Kevin Connor got me in more trouble while we were employed here, or I got him in more trouble, whichever one. And so we're looking. And all of a sudden, this, this group call comes over the Nextel phone, and this poor Brother Duckett. And Brother Duckett's on the other end is going, Bob and Kevin, I don't know where you're at, but you're in trouble. You better get back here. The whole restaurant heard. And Kevin and I were like, I think we're in trouble because right now it's 2.20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, right. Listen, God will let you know when everything's not okay. I want to end with this. Live life like a son, not a slave. Get up every day and go, my God loves me. Get up every day and say, you know what? I don't know. Can I, can I ask you a, a, a question that may seem trite and it may seem trivial, but I, but, I, but I wrote it down just a moment ago. Did you know when you needed to get saved? How many knew? How many knew? That, that moment, how many knew? that you need to get saved at the moment you got saved. You, you just knew. Yeah, listen, some of y'all didn't raise your hand. <laughs> you need to get saved. And uh, the moment you knew, I need to get saved, that same Spirit of God is living on the inside of you, and He will let you know where you're wrong and where you need to repent. You know what God told them? If you ever step out and there's no rain from heaven... And if you ever step out and there's locusts eating things, and you step out and there's a plague, that's a hint that I'm not happy with you and you need to repent. But until that comes, you live like a son. Your sins were judged at Calvary. Your sins were forgiven. And for your mental health and for your spiritual well-being, Face every day like this. My God loves me. And if there's something I need to get right about, I'll see him walking on the side of the road. I'll see a big old locust. So here's how this works. Get you a locust. 
one of the little locust animals. And when your children need to repent, just leave the locust right on their bed. <laughs> and just say, when you see the locust, <laughs> y'all, don't, don't go into your marriage going, oh, you know how she is. Yeah, because she's, you know how he is. Listen, just wake up every day and you love me. And until you tell me different, I'm going to assume you love me. That's, a, that's the way to live with God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.